0: Hey everybody, Aaron and Jim are back. We are back with another bald movie. Uh, if you're a bald movie fan, I got some good news for you. Because in 2020, one thing that Jim and I are trying out is we're going to have a bald movie a week. Could be a first run bald movie, uh, in which case, you know, if you want to uh, listen to the spoilers, uh, you'll have to be a club member. It could be just a classic that me and Jim pull back, uh, pull out from the old uh, memory banks could be a commission podcast when we uh, get our new streamlined commission process off the ground. But yeah, we're going to, we're going to try to have a new movie in the old bald movies feed each and every week. Uh, And this week we thought we'd take an opportunity to tie it in with something else. We're kind of uh, excited about, which is the new star Trek Picard series that is debuting this week on uh, CBS, all access Uh, and in doing and, and, and kind of like, Passing the torch from uh, old Trek to new Trek back to old Trek uh-huh. uh, into Picard, I thought it would be, or we thought it would be a good idea to look at Star Trek Generations, which is the original passing the torch from the old crew of the the, the original series to the crew of the next generation. As far as their cinematic traditions, uh, this movie came out in 1994. It was directed by David Carson, a longtime uh, Star Trek television director. Uh, with no previous big budget mo- motion picture experience, it was written by the holy trilogy of Star Trek writers: Rick Berman, Ronald D. Moore, yes, that that Ron Moore, mm-hmm. and uh, Brandon Braga, and uh, it features uh, the last adventure of Star uh, of uh, the famed Star Trek captain James T. Kirk, teaming up with uh, Patrick Stewart's. Jean-Luc Picard to stop the death of millions in the 24th century. Jim, Star Trek Generations, mm-hmm. you're a big Trek fan. I'm a big Trek fan. Uh, I'm sure we've had feelings about this film. Uh, what, was your, what were your feelings? Uh, did you have any feelings coming into this film? And, and how did you, uh, looking back after probably several years of not seeing it, what would you think?
1: Yeah, my feelings on Generations were that it was like the second best uh, Next Generation movie.
0: That is damning it with somewhat faint praise. Because yeah, well,
1: I really love First
0: Contact. I First haven't seen First contact, contact
1: in like 15 years, but I love that movie.
0: I've watched it within the last three months, and it wasn't as good as I remembered, okay. but it's still a pretty good track film.
1: Yeah, and so I don't really see it as damning it with faint praise. I think first contact for me as a child who grew up with the next generation and not the original series is Uh the definitive star Trek movie Uh as opposed to like a of Khan for most people um, who are maybe just slightly older than me. But so, so when I say like it's the second best uh, star Trek film, I'm, Oh, you're saying Star I'm saying it's Trek actually film. Good. I thought you were saying the second best Next Generation no, film. No, Next Generation film. As, oh. as an adult, having seen like Wrath of Khan and stuff okay. uh, now, I, I don't think that's true. I think Wrath of Khan is clearly better uh-huh. than, than this film. Uh-huh. Um, but this is like on on watching it now as a 37-year-old man, having not seen it in a very long time, I thought it mostly held up. And, and I actually, the themes were deeper than I realized in this film. Uh-huh um and i think it's a a it's not as amazing of a of a construction as like all good things for instance which is you know the the series finale of next generation uh but it does effectively pass the torch and i think coherently pass the torch and it feels like both generations of star trek coming together and that's i think the best thing you could you could hope to say about a movie like this
0: I think um, when I was a kid growing up, the thing, first and foremost, I was hoping Star Trek would do when it came out to the movie theaters was not embarrass me, Mm -hmm. you know, with some really cringy shit like Uhura's feather dancing and Star Trek five, uh, you know, or just, you know, like I, cause I was already kind of back in the day being a nerd wasn't what it is now. And, you know, you you never wanted to see your, your your, your favorite franchise go out and, and besmirch itself. And I remember thinking that this generations uh, with so much hype behind like the, ca- the 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 Captains Picard and and Kirk teaming up. I was pretty disappointed with it. Hmm. Um, Star Trek was really riding high culturally. Like, you know, uh, Deep Space Nine was in its third season and really getting its legs underneath and and, and taking off with the Dominion War. Star Trek Next Generation had just wrapped up earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. And you hear, you know, Picard coming or uh, Kirk coming back to some kind of time travel business. Like, oh, my God, how amazing is that going to be? I think this is mediocre Trek. It's not good trek like wrath of Khan or voyage home or undiscovered country or first contact it's not bad trek like the final frontier insurrection (laughs) it's just okay there's lots of star trek fan bait in it um i do think the themes are pretty good i think the villain is pretty good i think i guess i wish that they had paired everything back and given more time for like the kirk and picard relationship Yeah, it is pretty one-dimensional. It felt like Kirk was, or or Picard just came to scold Kirk into, you know, being a hero again, and that Kirk was not (laughs) that, not that like effective or important to the climax of the film, and his death what what and i see i was a huge fan of the old series because you know that's yeah. what, how i like before even next generation my dad is a fan of star trek and the star trek movies so i really like the original series mm-hmm. i found it kind of outrageous the kind of death that they gave kirk um so i think i still my opinion is that this is i think i actually liked it better than i thought i would i thought this is going to be like bad track it's just it's just mediocre track
1: I think it's a little slow in the middle, and yeah, maybe I would have liked to see more Kirk um, throughout the film, yeah. but uh, yeah, so I didn't, I was 12 years old when this movie came out, mm-hmm. and I don't remember, I I wish I had a, a record, like, oh, I don't know, hundreds of podcasts uh, recorded from when I was that age <laughs> yeah. to remember when the first time I knew really who Kirk was, other than just hearing his name in the Star Trek lore, like, when did I first see a Kirk uh, on screen. It might've been this movie. It really might've. Cause I was 12 years old. I don't remember being a Star Trek fan until I moved from California to Indiana.
0: Mm. Um, and like all my friends were really into it. Yeah. You got thrown into the nerd pit of the Mooresville congregation. Yeah. I was more into like <laughs> video games and shit. I uh-huh. was, I was
1: a nerd, but in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And like, this might be my first experience with Kirk, which cuz I don't remember seeing the original series until I was at least like 17 18.
0: That's funny to me cuz you are an unabashed William Shatner fan. Yeah. Like you uh there, There's a little bit of irony in there. Yeah, I don't want to say like, yeah, he's my hero or anything. No. It's it's an ironic love. But you're but a fan a of love. the man's work yeah. and and the breadth and depth of it.
1: I I own William Shatner's <laughs> horse book for <laughs> yeah. God's sake. I I had a note telling me to bring it in today uh-huh. so I could show it off on the podcast, but
0: you forgot. I forgot uh, you've got. Yeah. You've you've got. I think somewhere stored here in in storage, you've got a couple of his albums. I I do. Yeah, the transformed man. Uh huh. Certainly.
1: Uh, I, I have both of his biographies. I I don't know. He writes a lot, although he doesn't write at all. Mm, he goes right. To a he lot. Sh- he he has a couple
0: of ideas. Yeah. that he gives to somebody. He he's not written nine tech wars books yeah. <laughs> or tech books. Yeah. So I, I is it effective? That's the thing. Is like is it. It is the idea of what they're trying to go for, which is like, you know, up until now, Star Trek and the cinemas has always been, you know, Kirk and Spock and McCoy. Uh-huh. And we need a way to tell people that like those days are over. I don't know because I, I, I wish I had time to go back and watch undiscovered country, which I think is probably pretty amazing. I remember it being amazing and pretty well regarded, but I remember the end of that feeling like that was a pretty effective send off of the old crew. Yeah. Um, bringing them back and the fact that like you know it's 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 storied that like most of the original cast turned the opportunity down mm-hmm. although only I, I read a ton of stuff about this movie and most of that people say that as if uh, the whole the, uh, the whole crew is either mad at uh, William Shatner uh, for some bruised feelings for various different slights and imagined stuff and the, some of it was like oh people thought it was a turd I guess Leonard Des Moines, they approached him to direct it, and mm-hmm. he read the script and was like, this is not good. I don't want to be a part of it. And he also didn't want to star in it. I think he felt yeah. like Spock was in a good place and and didn't need to be brought back. Well, he also said that like Spock was written so generically that it could be any character saying those That's lines. Your, and they literally... And- yeah, yeah, took yeah. took those lines and gave them to the other crew members. Yeah, yeah. no, I don't know that that's exact because like there's a couple lines they had the rights custom for Scotty. I'm sure they modified the lines, yeah. right? But like, yeah, that 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 was just given to them. And then, um, I, I guess DeForest Kelly wanted to, but he was so old and in such declining health that mm-hmm. like they couldn't get like onset insurance for him, uh, wow. so he couldn't. Oh. And that's when they got. Uh, Uh, And I I guess uh, uh, the other thing is that Sulu, uh, uh, not DeForest Kelly, uh, George Takai Mm -hmm. turned him down because Sulu at this point had been a captain. And he's like, why would I be a helmsman for Captain Kirk? That seems like, like, why would I do that? Uh, He's kind of protecting his role. So you had this kind of like odd hodgepodge of the original crew. But I still think that that was pretty pretty effective. No, the,
1: it sounds to me like they tried to make this movie worse than it is uh-huh. and were unsuccessful because the actors said, actually, it's better if we don't. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I, I can't imagine, yeah, what, what possible excuse would you have for all these captains to come back together Mhm. And serve under James T. Kirk one last time for eight minutes at the beginning of a movie, right? But even
0: then, they force stuff. Like, uh, as much as I like the prologue, like I thought that it's really fun—the champagne bottle tumbling through space as a credit sequence. Because at such... first, you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, you you can't hardly see it. It's, and then, it's then you see the spine. Don parry on, and it's like, "Oh!" And then it yeah. smashes against the hull. I was like, "Okay, that's pretty cool." That's a very like,
1: you know, uh, naval
0: kind of yeah. thing that Star Trek does all the time. Yeah. Yeah, like, fact, I'm sure I,
1: Picard's christened one of his ships at some point.
0: Yeah in fact I actually like that about some of the older Star Trek movies where you see that kind of military tradition you know they have like a piping of orders and like people snapping to attention and the yeah. the uniforms were more like recognizably okay this is something like uh, a dress uniform for a captain, where like you know, at post TNG, everything's essentially just pajamas.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> um, and but it also, I think Roddenberry's trying to say that like this is a different Starfleet. This is no longer a Starfleet that's been in a bitter bitter war against the klingons and there's like a new era of optimism and it reflects in the way the bridge of the enterprise is designed and how everybody's lounging in pajamas and we've got a ship's counselor on the bridge and and all that but like i felt it was really kind of cringy that they forced sulu's daughter in there a little bit yeah um and uh they they also there's a there's a bunch of cameos in here you've got uh, private vasquez in uhura's seat uh jeanette goldstein uh you got tim russ who has played has been on a lot of Star Trek, and he's played like every every alien and
1: human. This race is Tuvok from Voyager. If
0: you don't recognize the, uh, I think the history's first and only black Vulcan.
1: That sounds right.
0: Except but. for DC Comics, Black Vulcan. Okay. <laughs> it's literally just called Black Vulcan. Hmm. Um, I, uh, but I, But I liked it. There's the, uh, you know, Kirk's discomfort with aging is something that they have been playing with since the Wrath of Khan, you know, yeah. with him getting reading glasses and then he has to pawn the reading glasses in Star Trek 4. four uh, yeah, Star Trek 4. And then him being kind of like this old cold warrior that can't come to grips with the new geopolitical realities in Star Trek Undiscovered Country and it's still the kind of you know like uh, when the captain calls him a living legend he kind of like visibly bristles at that and mm-hmm. then you know during the the crisis that uh, Ferris Bueller's best friend is kind of like you know fucking up uh, he's like <laughs> p- antsy in his seat and uh, Scott says is there something wrong with your chair and Kirk's like yeah there's some goddamn nerd in it uh, <laughs> not letting me command the Enterprise I, right. I like that stuff. Um, yeah, I think the the intro to this
1: feels so much like original series track, mm-hmm. down to like you said with the the you know champagne bottle on the ship and just the loving way that they treat the Enterprise at the beginning, the sort of hero shots that they give the ship, um, the cinematographers, the screenwriters—they
0: clearly know and love the original series, mm-hmm. and it
1: it comes out in these scenes. Like it feels very. Original series.
0: Yeah, and uh, Star Trek nerds will know that this movie completed the set of all Enterprises, known Enterprises. We had the Enterprise uh, 1701, 1701A, 1701C, and yesterday's Enterprise. Okay. Of course, 1701D, the Enterprise from Next Generation, and we'll later Mm -hmm. get to know the Sovereign Class E. This introduced the 1701B, which is, I guess, a modified Excelsior Class. Okay. Um So, yeah, there's kind of like a lot of like this legacy and continuity in there. And I I really liked, I thought, honestly, the death of the the first death of Kirk in this movie was pretty poignant. (laughs) Like, you know, Scotty and uh, and uh, 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 Chekhov coming and seeing this gaping, you know, hole in the ship and like who was there. And, you know, the. the... I feel bad for Chekhov because he sort of left out of the loop here like i'm not yeah. sure he knows that it was kirk no he doesn't because he's my god was anyone in here and, and scotty says yeah there's this but, one but,
1: uh, but they the, don't say
0: who the cool exterior shot of them how they composited them in that breach i thought was really good and and, yeah. and a great way to start this off although and then, was
1: the scale right on that how big how man big is, i don't know the
0: original enterprise i know is smaller than the, the galaxy class and i think the excelsior was like twice as big as the original so i think the galaxy class is maybe half again as big as that okay but i don't know it's 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 it always felt to me like they were
1: they were flying cities yeah and the scale of those people standing on that ship made it look like they were flying small skyscrapers
0: yeah yeah (laughs) so i think that's closer to the truth than than this flying cities yeah um but I thought that and I was like there's the, this this whole like heritage and legacy theme continues in the next scene yep. where you've got the Enterprise Mark One. I, I guess uh you know the old uh, uh the, the the old uh, frigate that the United States Navy used to run. I think that's what is, this is, is supposed this to supposed be. Is this supposed to be actually that or is this Picard's like fantasy? Well, of- it's way too small to be the actual original uss enterprise okay but like yeah if you squint and you think about like you know because the thing is is like the real life picard if there is such a thing would be a stickler and it would actually be a holodeck representation of the actual goddamn enterprise and and it could so easily do that he could just tell the computer to make me a representation of the enterprise um but they have a very limited budget in this film this thing was made for like it's 25 million yeah what i read peanuts which we'll talk about in a bit so they had uh, this lady washington which is like a prop uh, ship and it was used also in the pirates of the caribbean um uh so it's much smaller than what the enterprise should be but i thought it was cool yeah. then they actually took this thing out in the fucking water and shot it on location uh-huh. uh you know i'm a big big fan of uh, age of Sail stuff i thought that was really cool
1: and and it's another amazing introduction for an entirely different crew i think yeah this feels so much like next generation yeah like down to the interruption on the holodeck causing all of the bridge officers to be dressed like 16th century naval officers. Yes, it's fucking yes, amazing yeah. how
0: well they nail the tone. And they really do. They get like everyone's got like a little moment of personality. um mm-hmm. You know, Riker gets his like. You know, Riker's kind of the hedonist, and you know, uh, Picard's waxing <laughs> right. nostalgic about the freedom of the open sails or they, the open seas, and Riker's like bad food, brutal discipline, no women. <laughs> <laughs> this is picard's ultimate freedom come on yeah yeah you <laughs> p- shitting all over it riker yeah and like Worf, like the way they kind of I, I you know he's so serious and he's kind of badass he's the only one that gets mm-hmm. his lieutenant commander hat which bullshit yeah well i'm calling bullshit because data at this point is lieutenant commander oh yeah you're telling me you're that, telling me he
1: can't jump more than an inch and a half well, here's to grab the thing. that fucking hat
0: data came to the enterprise as lieutenant commander from a different ship oh, like they were all put okay. together and counter a Far point that was literally the first mission where everyone was together in okay. his new starship so they didn't go. partake of this tradition i don't know how many other lieutenant commanders they promoted on the damn enterprise and who the hell like jordy i think was made lieutenant commander during this so like i, I guess he made so. the jump but who the fuck else where else is these the senior bridge crew that we never see? Yeah. You know, uh Lieutenant Commander not seen on film and uh, <laughs> the other lieutenant commander uh memory alpha entry. Um I, I didn't like I thought Data's joke was pretty funny. You know, like his, everyone his acts joke. like what he did was so super not oh, cool. Yeah. But I've seen jackasses around the pool make the same mistake, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, everybody's getting fun. Everybody laughed at this one joke. Let's I'll just do the same thing. Like, I think shoving Crusher in that was actually pretty funny. She's yeah. almost asking for it.
1: I think if Worf climbs that ladder yeah. and he grabs Crusher uh-huh. and, and falls back in with her.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. That's a funny Everybody joke. Laughs cause Everybody laughs because it's a snarling yeah. Klingon pulling a joke on somebody. Right but data data's since he's the the dork of the crew he doesn't get that same slack um but i thought that was pretty good uh, which kind of kicks us off the the b plot of the movie which is data's emotions um yeah. i don't what what do you think i i like what they're trying to do here i think the execution leaves a little bit to be desired um some of the yeah. more cringy shit happens around data and some yeah. of it is explainable like the fact that like data doesn't have full control of his emotion chip so he's playing very broad and most of the crew is either visibly uh, annoyed or visibly distressed at how bizarre he's acting yeah um, but I'm still like like the the one point where um, he's laughing at these old jokes with Jordy. Um, and then he turns. Uh, you, you realize something's wrong when, like, his he, he they throw like a primitive Snapchat filter and make his eyes bulge. And <laughs> yeah, it's his disturbing. Mouth... I don't like it. Yeah, no, it's like it's like the angry orange effect on Data's yeah. face. Um, but it's part of the plot because you're supposed to understand. Oh God, his emotions are out of control, mm-hmm. and this is a problem. Um, but some of them, like I, I thought uh I like Brent Spiner doing the uh, you know Data tasting something disgusting and wanting more because it's a novel experience i kind of like the life forms diddy mm-hmm. but some of the stuff where it's just like it's too much of a good thing and i i felt like i i've recently watched a lot of star trek the next generation over again and i found that a lot of the data-centric episodes no one could tell brent spiner to maybe hey that's great but take it back 15 20 it doesn't have to be this hammy man you're you're supposed to fix that in the edit i guess yeah but on yeah. the other hand if you're if you for 7 years you play a character who has no emotions yeah. and very little range and you're doing like well, admittedly very subtle cyborg acting <laughs> uh maybe when you get to cut loose and go hard you do ham it up.
1: Yeah, and I I think it's interesting from the perspective of an adult experiencing emotions for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, because we all understand yeah. that through kids and they are very over the top and too much. Yes. a lot of the time, right? So like what does that look like when when paired with an adult? Yeah, maybe it looks a lot like this. Now, yeah. I I have problems, and this is true of of most of TNG when it comes to data. But it's like how it's a very tricky thing to write a, a believable artificial intelligence that also uh, creates drama, creates um, interest in an audience. And I think they mostly succeed here, but it's maybe a little false to me because like. Data's all worried about, like, oh, I got to get this emotion chip in because my growth has stalled, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I haven't been growing. I've been try- trying for so long at it, and it's really frustrating. He doesn't use that word because that's an emotion, and that would, you know, ruin the bit of dialogue or the right. bit of uh, story that they developed here with Data because he's uh-huh. an android and shouldn't feel emotions till he has yeah. that emotion chip. Yeah. But he's expressing frustration. Uh-huh. So in my mind, he is growing like the fact that he can even articulate, hey, I'm I desire something and I'm not getting it. And that's a
0: feeling that I understand. That's growth to me. That's a good point. I didn't consider that. But yeah, you're right. Like the like, why does he have feelings about being behind or, you know, ahead or? Yeah. Yeah. You would think he would be extremely patient. Yeah, in this whole
1: process, far beyond human capacity for patients.
0: But- uh, and that, or it could be more of like, I'm tired of upsetting my crewmates because of these problems. Like, I need yeah. to, it's like, you know, maybe it's a choice of, of course, then like, what does that even mean I'm tired? You're right. It's very hard to say. hard, yeah. What is the thing yeah. that like, <sighs> made, what is the fulcrum that, because it's usually human emotion that causes something right. to give up, because it seems like he was like, well, I either have to give up my quest to becoming a human because it's harming people or hurting. Hurting their feelings or getting them wet inappropriately or i have to double down and 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 put this faulty screwy memory the uh, emotion chip inside me yeah but like a human there would be like an, emo- there, there, an emotion <laughs> there's an emotion
1: attached to that turning point yeah
0: yeah and here there is too it's just there shouldn't be but there it's, has to be so here's another thing is like uh i saw some people praising the lighting in this film i don't like the fact that they just took this the the, the enterprise d sets and turned all the lights off and it's comical where, like, uh, Data's like, hey, do brain surgery on me, and Geordi is, like, uh, operating in near darkness in Data's quarters. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. sure, I'll do some delicate cyber pi- positronic brain surgery on a date. Can we turn on some fucking lights? No, we won't. We uh-huh. won't, because this says cinematic. Like, it looks like the Enterprise is in <laughs> power-saving mode or something. I I, I I don't understand it. Yeah, I, th- I think um, the problem here is that the... the- is it,
1: I don't know if it's the director or the the lighting guy who, mm-hmm. I don't know his, his title, um, preferred to use in-scene in, in scene lighting Maybe. for this stuff. And typically when you see Star Trek, it's lit with a thousand lights. Yeah, it's very um,
0: flat TV lighting.
1: Right. Uh, and so it looked very different from the TV series. But it enabled them to shoot this thing on the budget that they shot it on because... Yeah. It reduced like it gave them a lot of flexibility when it came to shooting angles and stuff. Yeah, that they wouldn't have had if they had an entire lighting rig going yeah. the entire
0: time. Yeah, um, I just thought it's just it's just weird, especially it since is, you're yeah. if you were in that year and you like knew what Star Trek looked like and you come in here and it's like oh wow everything's dark what the hell is going a, a on? lot
1: of the stuff they did like uh, sprucing up the set because they they they're going from. A small 4 by 3 television screen format mm-hmm. to a big widescreen, huge right. uh, big screen format. Right. And they had to do a lot of work on the sets themselves to mm-hmm. get them ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so it's a shame that they didn't do a next generation movie sooner because the show would have looked a lot better Yeah, because they took a lot of those old sets from TNG and spruced them up, gave them paint jobs, added to them, made them ready for the big screen Man, I can't imagine what a, a late season Star Trek would have looked like if that had happened earlier.
0: Yeah, because like yeah, all the really cool props went in the, that they created for like purpose built like new phaser rifle models, phaser rifle models and uniforms were used yeah. for like Voyager, uh, <laughs> right, and right? Like late season uh, Deep Space Nine. So, um, I want to talk about the main plot, which is revolves around Picard and uh, the Nexus. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Th- the nexus is an interesting concept because it seems like it's just a hokey thing invented to make this plot work because it's a subspace distortion that vaporizes starships and people but also takes them into some kind of weird techno babble afterlife and they needed Picard to have... Because Picard's not the type of guy who would even be tempted in a moment. Yeah. So they mine his history and say, oh, he had that one after the Borg invasion. He went back to his old family vineyard in France. And he has this uh, complicated relationship with his brother Robert. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but he has a... It seems like he really likes his nephew and his his brother's uh, uh, wife. And they... I I I thought it actually came across as funny. It's like he gets this mimic- this this telegraph that essentially says your family burnt to death on earth. Okay? Like I'm, that's I'm waiting very... for the funny part. <laughs> well, like <laughs> dying in a fire is often caused like say saying <laughs> okay. something like it's the worst way you can die. Uh-huh. And like I'm trying to think like I there's there's so many other ways like uh they died in a freak teleport accident. They died on a shuttle craft to the moon because they're going to take uh, they you know Robert finally wanted to get off earth and take the family on a lunar vacation just like them just di- burning to death seems almost too mundane it's like if they died mm-hmm. of cowpox you know it's like such Especially an old given the Picard
1: family history like he's talking yeah. about oh we won a Nobel Prize in chemistry we're the first Martian colonists
0: yeah like, we fought in Trafalgar like uh, oh, all these fucking didn't believe in smoke alarms he just uh they're too too newfangled 20th century technology he really... have that lineage snuffed out by a fire by a structure fire yeah okay yeah, i see that's, what you're saying that's what it's, it's funny. funny it's like in the 24th century on this fucking old ass family vineyard they just yeah. burnt to death both of them on both a of vineyard them. yeah i think right how how would they hmm i would think the technology in the
1: 23rd century would be Good enough to put out a fire? Like,
0: any fire that would happen in your house? But counterpoint, Uh every single instance of ship combat in Star Trek. Like, whatever they use in their power generation technology... If there's no circuit breakers, yeah. because if the enterprise's <laughs> shield grids gets overlid, the panels just explode uh-huh. with the force of fucking claymore mines. They hurl people twenty feet yeah. into the air. It doesn't seem like fire is a real threat to these people, but it, it should be. Yeah, console explosions. I think I think Robert was just trying to program whatever the twenty fourth century equivalent of a VCR is, and the panel just <laughs> literally exploded, and uh, there you you, you burn right. to death. But um, so. They give him this, so, so the whole, uh, like, so he's in a similar emotional space as Kirk, that like, oh, geez, I'm well in my Star Trek career, and I've sacrificed so much of my own, like, you know, normal human impulses, and I always consoled console myself with the idea that the Picard family line, which... Mm-hmm. i think it would obviously be something important to him especially they've made up a whole bunch of details about picard's yeah. being involved in the battle of trafalgar and uh-huh. nobel priest and and you know he's part of this proud lineage and it was going to continue on and in the form of renee his nephew and that's snuffed out by fire and he's far too old now i guess i guess too much gamma radiation in those testicles Picard's sterile as a hospital operating environment uh-huh uh, and now the card line is going to be snuffed out like that's some pretty good bones to hang this this, uh, you know, like uh, he'll be caught between this his duty and, and wanting to stay in the Nexus. Mm-hmm. But I felt like they fucked up the Nexus because. In what world is this Picard's actual fantasy life? That he's going to shack up in Victorian England in some kind of Charles Dickens Christmas fantasy with one of the boring conventional daughters from a Jane Austen novel as his wife, mm-hmm. who is just credited yeah, as like an Picard's Edith wife from Down
1: Nabby, right? Just like
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, mm, canonically, his big flame was Vosh, who right. is essentially a swashbuckling female Kirk. Yeah, she's like <laughs> she's Indiana like, Jones yeah. type. Uh-huh. Like, she's not this boring, plain Jane Austen character. and right. I, I, I don't know. That was, you know, for, I, I do like the fact that I discovered, rediscovered that this is a Christmas movie, so we could plausibly do Generations as a, as, as not, a bald as Christmas. You're not wrong. We're going to have to wait Damn. at least five years now. <laughs> but, like... I, none of that seemed like it was. And then when, when Guinan shows up in the merry-go-round yeah. that he has in his li- fantasy living. <laughs> living room, I'm like, this is so fucking weird. And now the Nexus is not just a fabric of energy, warp energy that rips people apart and puts them in heaven, but it also stores echoes of people that know what's yeah. going on in the present? And is that just because Guinan is kind of a mystical career? I, I don't know. Yeah, she's like an empath kind of yeah. thing. I, Yeah, it's tough to say.
1: They're working with so many different, you know, storytelling devices here right. with empaths and fantasies
0: and time travel. And there's this one point where someone, one of the bridge officers says, I don't understand why Soren just doesn't take a spaceship and fly it into the ribbon. And they say, well, every starship that's gotten close gets destroyed. Wrong. Why, why does he give a fuck? Like he clearly yeah. was brought into the ribbon on the classic experience of two freighters caught in this thing, and they all were uh-huh. destroyed. So was Guinan. Uh, why would he? Why wouldn't he just take a sp- shuttlecraft and fly it into that thing, get vaporized? Who cares? He's in the ribbon. Why yeah, does he I- have to destroy this, this solar system so that the ribbon goes through a planet? Mm-hmm. I don't. They they never really explain that to my satisfaction.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Like when they when they say, "Oh, ships get destroyed if they go near it," I. I thought that was a cop-out because of what we see in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And also, it ties into the question of why Why do they sort of take, I guess, the middle path here at the end of this mm-hmm. uh, whole sequence of events where they defeat Sauron. Sauron? Sauron. Sauron? I don't know. It's spelled S-A-R-O-N. I it's have no idea pro- how to pronounce that. Like I'm just going to say, it like, Gandalf's nemesis. Uh-huh. Uh, Sauron? Yeah. Uh-huh. But... So, Picard, to me, understands the stakes to be 230 million people are going to die if I don't stop this thing. And he clearly, as long as he does not die, he has, well, okay, as long as the captains don't die, they have an infinite number of chances to stop this thing, right? They can keep going through the loop, keep coming back because time has no meaning. You're right. They get caught up in the wave, they fail, they come back. They get caught up in the wave, they fail, Mm -hmm, they come back. mm -hmm. Now the the risk there is that both of them will die and they will fail, and that the wave will not be able to pick them up. Right. Yeah.
0: In which case, two hundred forty million pre warp, uh, pre industrialized people die. Yeah. I'm I'm just gonna say it. Kind of tiddly in the grand scheme of Star Star Trek. Yeah, there are billions upon billions of I saw the Klingon homeworld's moon explode. <laughs> right. How many billions of Klingons died there? I saw there? Vulcan explode. Like, yeah, 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 man. 240 million cavemen, Star Trek cavemen. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's just an asterisk in whatever Wikipedia they've got in the 24th se- se- century. You're not wrong. I also
1: understand why Picard would want to prevent that. Sure. Uh, but, but it seems like he's done the calculation. In my uh-huh. mind, he's done the calculation. He decides that giving up Kirk... And stopping this thing from going off, saving these 230 million people for sure, mm-hmm. is the way to go here. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, they could just keep trying. Yeah, But the risk here is they both die. Yeah, They fail to stop it, and then those people die too.
0: I, I honestly think this was... I-, I think they should have let this sequence be like a whole act unto itself. Almost like a um, what dreams may come kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Where like first Picard struggles with... Because he just instantly, as soon as Guinan shows up and says this isn't real, he's like, Oh, well, of course, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, and I thought Kirk did a c- pretty remarkable turnaround, too. And I, I also think they, they fucked up Kirk's love interest, too. Like, I don't understand why they like, – because he's got a canonical love interest that he feels very uh, regretful about. Car- Carol Marcus, the mother of his o- only son, mm-hmm. um, who got murdered by fucking crazy Klingons in a Genesis planet. Like, yeah. why didn't they just have Carol Marcus? You don't have to have the actress back. You can-
1: Paramount wouldn't let them, apparently
0: yeah i don't know why the parent company of star trek Uh, wouldn't let license star trek the character from a star trek just
1: just said that they didn't want her to be the love interest i don't know why that's i don't don't know that's crazy that's crazy the actress if it was some like oh we're trying to preserve that storyline for future use or what but like
0: yeah well that's dumb because they originally had it that would have been way better yeah i agree uh, because then all like everything we know about Kirk and his pr- past regrets and would have informed that. Instead, we got this like yeah. Antonio, who just seems or Tony Antonia, Antonio, who seems yeah. like this kind of like fantasy character that we only glimpse from a distance anyway.
1: Yeah, she's she's uh, almost an apparition. Yeah, like thing. he
0: had, like he had this like this this this, this November romance with this woman, mm-hmm. and like I all Twitter pated instead of like you know like they if you're supposed to understand that Kirk is a young man and he's just starting out and he could do everything over with Carol Marcus i thought that would be a strong hook but i yeah, i don't know i thought i thought they fucked that up and the fact that like i guess paramount did it to themselves
1: mm-hmm.
0: crazy um but i th- i thought that they they needed more time because this is kind of like an obi-wan anakin uh relationship and that I think you're supposed to understand that, like, Picard has appropriate reverence for this former captain of the Enterprise mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of a hero worship, but you don't get any of that. He just shows up with, like, Why are you being irresponsible, Kirk? You're, you're, you're a captain of the Enterprise. You got to, you got a duty as a star, as a Federation officer. And I think Kirk had perfect responses, like, Look, settle down, Junior. I was saving the galaxy while your granddad was in diapers. Uh-huh. That's a perfect line and perfect response. Nothing ever really, like, like, it's, it's just like Picard, like, Kirk just realizes himself oh this is a fantasy and it's kind of I'm in the matrix and it's boring that all needed time to breathe I think it started to get good when they were out riding horses together and I think that's some of the best stuff clearly I think Shatner is having a lot of fun I guess that was his actual house and these are his horses
1: I don't know if that's his house but yes he in the wide shots he was riding his own horses on his own ranch mm. uh, I think maybe in alabama i'm not sure where it is but
0: oh i thought it was in california but uh no i know he had one in kentucky he might also have one in alabama um but he's so clearly comfortable with it like it's funny to watch him literally ride circles around patrick stewart yeah like Patrick yeah, Stewart yeah. just sitting there on that horse and he's like doing like <laughs> he's doing all this complicated dialogue but instead of pacing like he would he's just having a horse do it uh-huh. there's like one nifty thing where he has the horse just kind of sidestep up to picard to yep. like resolve the conversation i'm like that's actually adding a lot to the scene. And I really liked it.
1: Yeah. He's actually, a, uh, he's, he's, he has a love for horses. I don't, I don't know if he, you're aware of this. He's but, crazy about them. Yeah. The, the, he's got that book. Uh, his wife runs a, uh, charity called horses for heroes, which is like pairing. It's like a ranch that veterans can go to, to sort of do horse therapy. If that's yeah, a thing, I, I, it's, it's a thing. I mean, I'm sure it would help some people. Yeah. Yeah. If you're into horses, uh, wow. William Shatner is very much
0: into horses. Uh huh. And so is his wife. No, I liked that. I liked uh watching William Shatner splitting logs like a boss at like he was. Age, age seventy. And it's hilarious too because every time he splits
1: a log, he looks over at Patrick Stewart and he's like, uh? <laughs> uh
0: yeah. <laughs> didn't Let's think see. I could split it, huh? <laughs> right. Uh yeah. He didn't stage split. He just, just, no, just fuck fucking no. split those things. Um I but I again it just felt like I that, that's the time because you the only reason to have Kirk come back to pass the torch is so it has emotional weight with the fandom. And I just felt like it didn't because like Picard didn't feel like they had a relationship with Kirk. It felt like that he needed Kirk to do something. He's almost using Kirk.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I agree with you. I think it is, uh, compressed. I, I think they convey everything they want to convey though, maybe a little more sloppily than they wanted to. Uh, but as someone who consumes a lot of television, I look at movies and I go, God damn! It's remarkable how much story they fit into a movie, and That's the ones true. that really pull it off well, you don't even notice the things like this where yeah. they're taking shortcuts and they're they're doing so much heavy lifting with like a single line of dialogue.
0: And and Patrick Stewart's such an incredible actor that like, but he gave he gave nothing to that scene where Kirk dies. It's just kind of like you know, like like he he plays a yeah, grim, tight lipped, and maybe with a slight smile when when. Uh, uh, Kirk says it was fun, and mm. then they have the weird choice, which I guess is something that uh, Shatner ad libbed, where he says, "Oh my," uh, which is a weird the Sulu very reference. Sulu line, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I read an interview with him that said that that line was Hikaru. He he's on Death Hakara Hikaru uh-huh. Sulu appeared to him and gave him bedroom eyes, shirtless with yeah. a sword, shirtless with a sword on oh a horse. My. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> gotta be it's gotta be canon right, here, i'm gonna go to memory alpha why you say the next thing i'm gonna edit the ar- article the the entry for for uh james d kirk
1: yeah so i like that final line from kirk because maybe we can talk about some of the themes a little more deeply yeah uh kirk's theme here is one of nostalgia and getting old and you know all the things he's been dealing with in all the star trek movies up till now but also that sense of adventure and the adventure being the thing that he has always been his
0: calling. Yeah, I saw people saying that that made um, Kirk feel seem afraid on Death's Door. I didn't get it. I thought no, oh my, this is was a sense like, of awe and wonder at the
1: new. This adventure is the ahead. new frontier. Yes, he he's seeing something that excites him.
0: Yeah, and and it's wonderful. And that's I thought he that says, was oh like one of the nice twists on the death scene, and like the fact that you know Bill Shatner came up with it himself. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to have, how, did you watch any? Because I watch a lot of interviews. There's a really funny one where Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner were talking about this death scene. Okay, and like why Leonard Nimoy that wasn't in the movie, and then they talked about the uh, the rumor that Bill Shatner tried to drown Leonard Nimoy in the making of Star Trek. It's really <laughs> funny stuff. Fuck. Yeah, because they're just <laughs> like Fuck. just just two old men just like bullshitting about their careers in Star Trek and slaying in front of this room full of Star Trek fans. Uh. Uh-huh. Um. I might I might include that in the show notes because it's it's pretty fun. Um. So the villain, this is another thing I thought worked really well. If you buy all the hokey time ribbon shit, the nexus stuff, Mm -hmm. um, Soren played by Malcolm McDowell with kind of like this, you know, unhinged menace that he's so good at doing. Um, I thought it's pretty good. I I thought that one of the things they fucked up is they messed him up. They, they, they they shouldn't involve the Klingon sisters. Like I understand that I guess they're kind of fan favorites. Um, I certainly recognized them. Uh, they got their tit windows front and center, mm-hmm. uh, but like this is a complication. I don't think this movie needed. I think they needed to spend that on developing the relationship with Kirk and Picard, and instead we got some Klingon intrigue. All it is is a
1: way to inject some action into the other, the, the sidelined crew of the Enterprise during this yeah, entire thing. You're because right. There's absolutely no action in this movie if you yeah. take the Klingons out. Yeah. There's no crash. You don't get what is the baddest ass of any and I don't understand why this is. Why is it so fucking cool
0: to see the saucer section separate? I don't know. It's always a moment though. It is. And this is this is red meat for the fan base like I remember reading when I got one of the final things entries in the Star Trek technical manual is like an atmosphere, emergency atmospheric re entry of the saucer section. And they have like this diagram of how it would go out. And I just remember reading that as a young man thinking, like, fuck, that's so cool and you'll Uh never ever see it. And then when it started happening in generations, (laughs) it's kind of funny watching a 2020 that's like, the very first time they flipped Deanna Troy the keys to the Enterprise, she probably <laughs> crashes it onto a planet. Oh, no. It's like, Deanna, it's an emergency. Take the helm. <laughs> she crashes it into an entire planet. It's pretty, True. Funny. pretty funny. I don't necessarily blame her, but yes, she no, was at the helm at the time. That's exactly what happened, and that's really funny.
1: It is. Uh, but it's, it's so fucking amazing, and they show it to you twice, <laughs> which I love, because when yeah. they go back from
0: the Nexus... The one they, to get the goddamn money's worth out of They that rewind that. right to it, yeah. They spent a lot of money, and you can tell. I thought it was cool. Like I love... Like how the like it looks like uh, the I mean it looks exactly like the saucer section would crash and like the dirt's going everywhere it's up yeah. over trees and it's like I I do wonder why they'd never have seatbelts on the Enterprise
1: man some emergency harness restraint yeah. system something because yeah. this
0: happens all the time all the time like I like have a seen little bit so many lieutenant commanders go rolling on the deck like <laughs> yes. This is crazy. <laughs> At least put like some kind of screen
1: over the front of that the panel behind the captain's chair. Yeah, that that bank of of, of Annette like a net,
0: just the security officers <laughs> right. and ensigns flying over yeah. that railing. Yeah, yeah. Because man, it happens so often. Yeah, and then like when the thing finally uh, comes to a stop, yeah. like every chair and the bridge unbolts and tumbles forward. Like what the fuck? <laughs> like the initial impact didn't do that, but the I stop don't, did. I don't think they bolt down the furniture in the Enterprise. Not only are there no seatbelts, right. like they just are just sitting there, it is friction holding them. If there's along. not
1: someone to hold them down yeah. with their
0: ass, then it's the Once seats the are going structural firing. integrity field goes down an enterprise, it's it, there's there are no bolts in the twenty fourth century, It's just all held together through magic yeah. technology. But having said that, it was really it the enterprise entering the atmosphere and crashing was fucking cool. Yeah,
1: it's badass.
0: Um I forgot we got sidetracked. We were talking about Malcolm McDowell Soren. Mm-hmm. Um I like him. Uh, I like his gun, how it's got an auto gangster mode feature. Right. That, you know, like, and, and he holds it both ways. He holds it straight uh, up and it goes on. And then it's like, well, wh- why are you tilting it? Why? What? I, I don't understand the firing <laughs> mode of this this weapon, but that was pretty cool. I like non-conventional firearms in the 24th century. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, him, I didn't get this from watching the film, but I guess that you're supposed to understand that him and Guinan are the same species of listeners, which kind of tracks that would make some sense. And like, you know, Guinan species was ravaged by the Borg and his family was killed by the Borg. So that kind of like, it's, it's, you know, um, he's gone crazy Mm. and he got a taste of it. It's, there's a really subtle thing about addiction here that like, once you get a taste of that space heroin, you'll trade the lives of 240 million people to get it again. Like I, Uh and, but I feel like that's another kind of underdeveloped plot. Um, or, or it has a potential because Guinan overcomes that, right? Yeah, Guinan moves on. Guinan
1: is very much the Picard here, who has the courage to move right. on with but, the life she that even maybe says, is like less I'm. Than.
0: She's like I'm white knuckling. Like every day, I try to yeah. forget what the experience of being in the ne- Nexus. But is that's like. courage. Like yeah, that, yeah, that's the yeah, thing sure.
1: that Picard delivers a whole speech about that, where he, you know, essentially says, like, look, life isn't going to be what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. My entire lineage was just snuffed out here. Uh and yet I soldier on like I have the courage. It requires courage to do that, right? He tells, yeah. I think it's Data. He tells that when they're in the, the, yeah. the stellar cartography, stellar cartography, the Cerebro of Star Trek. I
0: was about to say, it's like it's unfortunate that they spent half of the film's budget on this new set. Right. I know the, this knockoff Cerebro set. That, it's like on screen for two minutes and it's mm-hmm. cool, but not that cool. Well, but it's cool. But you know, what's not cool. Jonathan Franks. Looking like Frankenstein, wearing a uniform that's like two sizes too small for him because he's wearing he's wearing Avery Brooks Deep Deep Space Nine uniform because they had all new plan uh, uniforms planned
1: and Jordy's is wearing like Miles O'Brien's uniform so baggy on him yeah
0: Uh, and so apparently they 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 wanted to have this is a stupid idea who I don't understand why people have to reinvent the uniform wheel like. Military uniforms don't change that often. They change mm. all the time in the next generation. They're going to change them again for just for the movie. Um, but then I guess Rick Berman didn't like them, so he axed them, so then they didn't have any uniforms. Mm. Like, take the stellar cartography budget and give everyone properly fitting uniforms. Yeah, I, I think it would have paid off. Because no. like it's jarring to see Riker stomping around yeah. in this thing. He looks like yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like.
1: He's, just, he's constantly tugging at the bottom of it.
0: Yeah, it's just riding, like, it's it's his sleeves are, like, way, too, uh, it's, 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 he looks slovenly,
1: he looks slovenly. Uh, but to go back to the Sauron stuff, and yeah. Guinan potentially being the same species, that would make a lot more sense of some of this stuff that happens, because there's a line, I, I forget where it's from, but he says, you know, they they say, time is the fire in which we, we burn, burn right. which triggers Picard, like, yeah. Because
0: his his family just
1: burnt up in a fire, right? But you never understand how Sauron would know that maybe this would affect Picard in this way. Like, but why would he say this to Picard yeah. in this moment? But if he is an empath, if he is yeah. understanding something of Picard's mental state, he's he might, species of
0: interstellar bartenders is just preternaturally good at <laughs> right. picking up on people's emotions and what would that? No, you're right. You're it right. It would make more sense, but they never make it explicit in the movie. As far as I'm aware of maybe, maybe there's a line in the prologue where they're talking about, because it seemed like these were perhaps uh, LRNs, uh, that's the species name, refugees from like the boar, ravaging them. Uh huh. Yeah, they um, destroyed his planet when he was
1: young. Killed his family.
0: Yeah. So he's 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 on the lamb from the Borg, and this ribbon came through, and and the guy known as in there too. But I don't know because it's, it's it's they waste a lot of time with like there's this whole scene of Jordy getting tortured, but they cut the scene where Jordy's actually getting tortured, hmm. um, which is weird because like they're always looking for excuses to get Jordy tortured. Jordy gets tortured every fucking season in yeah. Star Trek: The Next Generation. They it's got true. him in this Kunta Kinte slave collar, which is wild to watch in 2020 uh and they like all this like i said it just it feels like the only reason the klingons are in it is they needed a way uh to punch through the shields of the enterprise Mm -hmm. and i but 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 again like why i you're right that was just to give direction because otherwise this would be a date in picard story
1: and it would be very uh one note you know, yeah. it, it would be very somber. It would be very, uh, reserved. Like there, there's nothing about the rest of this movie that is exciting. Mm-hmm. So you really need some sort of action set piece. And right. that was it. The crashing of the enterprise was it. The other thing about that scene is at the end of it, Saren asks Jordy, like he, he says, tell me everything you know about Trilithium. And we're talking about a man who has just recently launched, launched a probe into a sun, full of trilithium and destroyed that sun. A a smashing success for his Yeah, absolutely worked. It went off exactly how they planned. The Klingons are happy. He's happy. The Romulans are angry. Everything you wanted from a trilithium experiment (laughs) happened. Tell me everything you know about trilithium.
0: Yeah. Is, is Is this like an ego trip? What is this? I mean, the only thing that makes, I guess, sense is if it's a cover. Like, he's torturing Geordi so that when he gets back to the Enterprise they don't like like if he just like fucks with his visor and sends him back like hey just want to tune up your visor it's like oh well then something because the other thing is like in season three or four of next generation the romulans do this to Jordy oh jesus they steal him they fuck with his visor and then Uh they are able to i think they are actually mind controlling him through the visor too but the same idea that they're able to remotely see and hear everything he's seeing and hearing and like you would think as i was watching this i'm like Cause I just watched that episode like two, three months ago too. I'm like, are they, they had this joke where the Klingons are like, is he the only chief engineer in Starfleet that doesn't actually go to engineering. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, but he was just tortured for some unspecified amount of time by a hostile <laughs> foreign power what kind of process of debriefing do they do before they return a person to service? Because this guy just less than a few years ago was turned Mm -hmm. and used as a double agent through this kind of same device. So like, (laughs) nah, just nah. as soon as, as as soon as we get this, I don't know, fucking, what was it? A nano probe out of his heart. Then he's, he's, he's good, good fit as fiddle. Good to go.
1: Yeah. You consider yourself lucky. They didn't take his visor away as a security concern. Yeah
0: god this has happened how many times now i know and but but yeah you're right like what could geordie it's gotta be. i think cover. you're right it's a cover yeah it's like okay well we'll torture him to make it seem like i need some information but doesn't the enterprise know that the bomb worked too they do so <laughs> like, they do it's shitty cover
1: it's real shitty cover you know it's like, if what it's, like it's actually giving away the entire plot that this is a plot because like if Jordy comes back and he says, Yeah, this guy tortured me. He wanted to know everything I know about trilithium. Mm-hmm. Captain Picard says, The fuck are you talking about? A star just exploded after he sent a probe
0: there. Yeah, loaded the trilithium, trilithium, trilithium It's It'd be like if they, like in a, uh, an 80s action movie, if the Russians stole the hero in like a, a stealth bomber, land in some Russian base, and then say, mm-hmm. Tell us everything you know about U.S. stealth technology. <laughs> right. It's like or or like it's out there on the tarmac guys
1: the the, the villains in Die Hard 2 (laughs) take john mcclain hostage
0: and say tell us everything you know about aviation communications (laughs) i don't know shit (laughs) pal yeah uh right yeah Uh, especially since they cut the entire interrogation i guess Uh that was like this I, I, i got doing research this film i realized that like this was like before i was big into dvds and stuff like there's commentaries that I want to listen to. There's a whole bunch of deleted scenes I want to see. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of shit on the cutting room floor here, that uh, that I would like to take a gander at. Maybe maybe the trilithium uh, mystery is explained therein. I, it drives me nuts when movies don't respect their own logic. Like they establish mm-hmm. that there's a two second window. From when the ship begins to cloak to where they can get its froton torpedo in. And then Data, like, you know, gives them like, hey, I'm about ready to do this thing. I'm doing this thing. The thing is doing. Uh And they smash. They go to the Klingon ship to get their reaction. They go back to uh, the Riker. He hears that the the ship is cloaking. And he waits like a second or two for dramatic impact. And he goes, fire. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it fires and then like, you know, it's it's like, it's like, it takes 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a two second window. What the fuck? Yeah. It's bullshit. I mean, they do a lot of that stuff. Like,
1: correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe Mm. there are stars cold enough for this to be true. Mm -hmm. When they fire off this probe into the sun, (laughs) Uh it takes about eight seconds to get to the sun. Yeah. For one. Because, okay. And it's warp capable, this probe. I'll buy that. (laughs) Okay, Sure. sure. The the light from the sun goes out instantly. Yeah. Uh huh. How uh-huh. fucking close are they to the sun? And wouldn't that just burn them? Wouldn't this be mercury? Wouldn't this be almost yeah. as hot as the surface no. of the sun
0: itself? No, you are not wrong. If they were wrong. that close
1: to this star? You are, you
0: are not wrong. There should be some light delay that says... You're absolutely right. The sun has gone out. It will be eight minutes until it gets dark here. Yeah, yeah. But, the, I mean, ah, that's the thing. It's like, I that I found offensive, but also... I don't know. Are you making Star Trek movies? That's the thing. Are you making these yeah. Star Trek movies for Star, star Trek fans... Because like even Star Trek fans don't respect scientific accuracy as much as they say they do. That's true, yeah. Um, and if you're making it for a common movie-going audience, then nobody like how many like, I don't know. What's the does the average American know? It takes eight minutes for light to travel from the sun. Like I, I I don't know.
1: Probably not. So it's like
0: you need the you know like if they just showed the the probe streaking off and. <laughs> looking at their watches yeah and then they're just hanging around for like well i gotta wait for the gravity wave to propagate. like it's Uh it's i don't know but but yeah it it's it's bad bad astronomy for sure it is they'll play probably uh, but
1: but you're right breaking their own rules within the universe the rules mm -hmm. that they established moments ago um to say two second window Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i i think that's more egregious um so i i don't know is there I already talked about how I felt like Kirk's death didn't really land appropriately. Like, it's a pretty mundane death for the captain of the Enterprise to essentially fall to his death on a bridge. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that shit doesn't even kill Indiana Jones, but it kills James T. Kirk, famed starship captain. Uh, I have some random other problems I have the film to talk about. I mean, if I'm I'm Picard in that moment, I'm looking down, and I see
1: Kirk is crushed under a pile of (laughs) of heavy metal rubble. Yeah. And I'm thinking, man, is this how Kirk is going to go out? Like... He's come back. You wait He's for had... the ribbon
0: to come and try again.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just give it another shot.
0: <laughs> Wouldn't that be kind of cool if it turned into a Doctor Strange, like you know, Kirk and and, I and Picard so. strategizing the Nexus? Like, okay, look, you bit it pretty hard uh-huh. on that bridge. <laughs> Maybe what we need to and, and do. And you could
1: have Kirk getting angry at him for yeah. like this.
0: This is how this I wanted fun. to die. I no. was promised fun. This was not fun at all. <laughs> right. This was painful. And, it was fun and, the first humiliating. time. Humiliating.
1: Second time is going to be shitty. Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't know. It could have been interesting, but...
0: Also, what are all these horseshit scenes of all the families of the Enterprise fleeing to the saucer section? I might... It, this, look, this is some hardcore nerd nitpicking, but do they actually station the families' quarters in the battle section of the Enterprise? They're, they're on the nacelles. They're in the warp nacelles is, themselves. Is sick bay in the battle section that you <laughs> yeah. have to... Ev- like, so, so. It's
1: right behind the deflector dish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's like ridiculous the idea that like the whole point of the saucer section is so it can detach and fly to families to safety. Right. But the sick bay and all the families are in the battle wagon section of the Enterprise. Th- those
1: are those are the Wesley esque children who have been stationed at their post in engineering. <laughs>
0: yes, of course. Like of all course. Of these families, they're just Enterprise... using these eight year olds as cheap labor. <laughs> the Enterprise D. F- Really controversial practice of using child yeah. labor, even though even though it's a post-labor <laughs> society. Yeah, yeah. They don't even need to. Like Picard it's a just really likes society. Yeah, he it's... really likes those 18th century uh, standards. Of, half of uh, them just came out of the replicator two days ago. Right. Half he, of these he, kids. he runs a debtors' prison in the enterprise, and they don't even have money. <laughs> There's no concept of debt in the 24th oh, century. God. But you know, he, he he read a Charles Dickens novel, and it's yeah. uh, he's very enamored with them. Uh Deanna Troy, ship's counselor. Mm-hmm. This is her counseling of data. Have you tried removing your emotions? <laughs> That's literally I, I what the fucking secretly, ship's counselor said to him. This is secretly her own wish for herself. Have, yes.
1: Like, God damn it, I wish I could get rid of this empathy
0: thing. Yeah, yeah. Have have you tried not having emotions data? <laughs> right. It seemed like it was working for you. You're very popular, you know. Uh, I liked you better that way. Uh uh-huh. just, just just bury those down deep. Just bury them down deep uh data laughing okay there are so many canonical instances of data not getting jokes in the the next generation they happen to make up a joke about a Ferengi in a gorilla suit that fucks up star trek lore because that them encountering the Ferengi's in season one is the first time data didn't even know what a Ferengi fucking looked like but jordy's making jokes about him being in gorilla suits that
1: sucks because i thought it's a shame that it destroys the lore Because I thought this was a great piece of writing Uh where data having perfect memory... As an Android, oh yes, it's great. Would ins- would be getting all the jokes that he never got before, and 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 as I, if they were happening the same day. But that
0: sucks that it breaks the entire canon. Especially <laughs> since there's again seven seasons of to not getting jokes where they could have right. just they've would been further fan service for him to be like, oh, he's actually working his way through season one jokes yes. he didn't get. Now next scene of Jordan, with he's the, doing season encounter far point like that is
1: a season one yes. thing,
0: but it's a callback. But that joke apparently never happened and breaks lore. That sucks. <sighs> so. I don't know. Like I said, I I don't think this is a bad trek. I think it's it's middle of the road trek. Uh, Oh, there was one other thing that I actually resolved amongst myself. Um, Cecil and I are watching this, and she's like, Why is Worf's knees bloody Hmm. in Hmm. his lieutenant commander ceremony? And I rewound it and I watched. I'm like, Oh my God, Michael Dorn is rocking, looks like viciously cut knees. Yeah. Turns out, like this, I guess the ship had a fresh coat of paint, and uh, he just got paint on his pants trying to climb up. The several several uh, uh film scenes of him climbing up the sides of the ship and, and they had no new pants they had they, no... they didn't have dude jonathan franks was wearing avery <laughs> okay. brooks uniform okay Fair. clearly Fair. clearly they had no extra couldn't they
1: get avery they had... brooks pants from they had more like... they had more get his pants. baseball pants get avery <laughs> brooks baseball pants put them <laughs> from on one of the holiday of... episodes yeah yeah put them on michael dorn boom there you you're go. done
0: I didn't think it's funny they had more 18th century sailing uniforms than they had actual <laughs> 24th century naval uniforms. Yeah. What the fuck? Can we get a third? Can can this budget be 26 million and you actually buy some uniforms? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. That's all I got to say about Generations. Uh, how are they going to? So, so can can we have Janeway come back for the first episode of Picard to hand a torch back to him? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, no. Get William Shatner. I think they resurrected him in a Star Trek novel. So just have old ass, have old ass 230 (laughs) year old. You say they, Uh William Shatner
1: wrote the novel that William Shatner as, as Captain Kirk is resurrected in. It's called the return. Uh Uh-huh. And it's, yeah. Yeah. What the, what fucking hubris! What
0: what gall on that man! I love it. Yeah, no, he's a he's he's an amazing guy. And when uh, I say he wrote the novel, he had someone ghostwrite it for him. I'm of sure. course, of course. Um, but no, I think we we need to get two hundred and thirty year old Captain Kirk to come back and hand the torch back to okay. to Picard, so he can start Star Trek Picard. Can we get all the captains together? Can we do like uh,
1: generations two and get every Holy captain together? Holy shit,
0: Janeway. J- Janeway, Kirk, Picard, Archer, uh, Scott Bakula. Yeah, it wasn't Archer. That was wasn't that Archer? Wasn't, uh, wasn't yes, that his, his name in Enterprise? Mm-hmm. Pike, Pike. Yep. Get Pike. Who's get the e- Who's the evil guy in Disco? <sighs> I, I Jer- can't remember his was name. The, the, the yeah, uh, Lucius Malfoy's dad. Yeah, it's Isaacs. It's uh... yeah, Jason Isaacs. Get 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 him in yeah. there. Uh, get get all the captains. Star Trek gen- multi generation. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Generations two. Yeah. The next generation. <laughs> the, next, the next, next, next generation. So that's this week's bald movie. Next week, we're going to come back with another classic that has a special personal connection to bald move, and it's going to kick off something else. We're going to come back with the Bill Murray vehicle, Groundhog's Day, which, if you know anything about bald move, a couple of years back, we did a 24-hour charity marathon on Groundhog's Day, where we watched the movie Groundhog's Day on repeat. We made it through 12 times, 13 times? I it's 12. Sounds yeah, right. It was a lot of fun. We raised a lot, and, and we've done this last year. We did it only. We watched every Star Wars movie in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were raising money for uh, to, to combat homelessness in the United States. Uh, this year, we're going to run back the same 24-hour marathon concept. We're going to be raising money for Australian bushfire relief. We are going to talk about uh, the movie Groundhog's Day next week on bald movies to kind of kick that off because that's going to be happening that weekend uh, which is less than 10 days away so uh, if you want to get hyped up for that we're going to be talking about uh, our thoughts about Groundhog's Day the movie Uh, we'll also be kicking off or talking about the getting people hyped up for the charity stream we're going to be watching 24 hours of disaster movies uh, over the Groundhog Day slash Super Bowl weekend Uh, To raise money again for Australian bushfire relief, and uh, we're pretty excited about it. I haven't seen Groundhog's Day since we watched it twelve times in a row. Why not? Come on, man. (laughs) Uh, I kind of in the mood to watch it again, though. Fan or not, yeah, I could watch it. It's a great movie, one of my favorite ones, Um, and I feel like we are uniquely qualified to break this thing down. Like Mm -hmm. no one else has as much Groundhog Day proven on air Groundhog Day experience. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're going to be doing for Bald Movies next week, um, and please do join us on Twitch.tv/BaldMove for that uh, charity stream. And if you want to know more details, uh, you can check it out on BaldMove.com. Uh, follow our social media, and of course, check out our Groundhog Day podcast next week for more details. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. Later.